Good morning again. Uh, if you're visiting, a very special welcome to you. Um, particularly if you haven't been to a church service for a while, we're really glad that you made the time to come to our Christmas Eve service. It's a blessing to have you here with us. Um, now, just out of curiosity, who hasn't done their uh, Christmas shopping yet? Who's going to do the 24-hour Christmas shopping? That's some brave people. We've got a prayer ministry afterwards for you, and uh, we'll pray for you. Hey, um, friends, we're going to dive straight into it this morning. We're going to be looking at a very familiar Christmas story. Uh, if you've grown up in the church uh, and... Um, what I'm about to read to you, 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 you've probably heard this already, and particularly it's Christmas, you probably have heard it so many times. Uh, we as a church actually explored this story a few years ago as we explored the Gospel of Luke. And so it'll be very familiar to you, but I hope God uses it to refresh to you, speak to you. Uh, and for those of us who are a bit skeptical about the Christmas story, uh, what I'm about to say to you is a true story. It's not made up, we believe it's true. And I hope that this morning, at least the very least, it will stir something in you to ask questions. Uh, maybe ask questions to the person who brought you along to this service or come and chat to any of us who call Canterbury home after the service. We'd love to share with you uh, about this true story. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a physical copy, please grab one of these from the front. It's our gift to you. Or you can press slide, turn, however you read the Bible, to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 26 to 38. Verses 26 to 38. Um, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, but it's the Spirit of God who makes the Word come alive, not the Virgin. So I hope whatever you have in front of you, I'm sure will be fine. So... Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Here is God's word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month uh, with, her, who, with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for these true words. We're about to talk about you, and so we pray and ask that you would reveal yourself to us. For those of us who are exploring, if you are true or not, make yourself real to us today. For those of us who are a bit weary from the year that's been, 
Would you comfort us with these words? For those of us who've known you for a long time, would you refresh us with these truths? Lord, I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight through you and you alone for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Believe it or not, it wasn't so long ago in modern history uh, there was a world that did not actually have computers. Amazing, isn't it? Can you believe that? And not only that, there were no such things as a tablet. And for those of you who are wondering, a tablet's not a medical thing. It's an actual device. There was no such things as tablets, let alone there, were never, there was nothing, a thing called an iPad. No one knew what that was about. They never existed. And if someone told you that one day they will exist, it may seem impossible. It might sound like science fiction. Whether you believe it or not, there was never a thing called Wi-Fi internet. There was a time when I had to make sure my big bulky computer was plugged into the wall and I'd wait for a particular sound. It was like a dial tone sound. It would take about half an hour and then it'd take about an hour for the web page to come up. There's some of us who lived in that world. Did you know there was never a world that, there was one time in the world, there was no Facebook, no Twitter, Instagram. Did you know that people didn't actually know about your life? No one really wanted to know. There was a world such as that. I know, it sounds crazy. I can't believe it either. Did you know there was never a world, there was a world one time, where Google never existed? And that if you had a medical condition, you went to a person called a doctor. <laughs> and you would ask them, what's wrong with me? Before you went to Google. Such a world existed. Now, human beings, as a people... We are very constantly and desiring to push the limits. We desire to achieve the most impossible things. We, we are wired in that way. But at the end of the day, if we really take a bit of a break and really think about it, we actually are limited. We are limited as human beings. But there's this capturing in our hearts that stirs something about the impossible. I mean, if you think about all the reality TV shows, and recently this year, there was the whole thing about the Australian Ninja Show. I don't know if you saw that, about the guys doing obstacle courses. And there was something about it that everyone went, oh, he's doing it. Or a survivor. These challenges, and they're pushing their limits to achieve something. But the thing is, as human beings, there's always a limit. We're constantly under a limit, whether we want to admit it or not. See, in front of us, what we have is a true story. A true story that actually happened and is a powerful reminder of two things. I think it reminds us of who we are as human beings. And secondly, it reminds us of who God is. What do I mean? Well, who are we? Uh, The guy who's writing this letter, he's actually writing to someone in particular. He's writing to a guy called Theophilus. He's uh, putting into account, and his aim for Theophilus is to remind him of two things. First, he wants to put an orderly account of Jesus' life here physically on this earth. Secondly, he wants to make sure Theophilus is not drifting away from the truth of Jesus. And so that's why he wants to show these true accounts, remind Theophilus that Theophilus can believe with certainty this is true. And who Luke speaks of, this Jesus, 
He's real, and his message is significant, not just for Theophilus, but also for us today. And with that in mind, he begins the story not with Jesus. He begins the story with a guy called John the Baptist and his birth. And he's actually born to a couple that, from human perspective, from earthly perspective, and even in that time, it seems impossible because both of these couples, they're actually old. They're past the age of having or bearing a child. That's how it's described in the previous uh, verses in chapter 1. It actually describes them as advanced in years. It's a, it's a biblical word called old. You're old. You can look it up in the Greek if you don't blame me. Now, this is before you know medical intervention and all those kind of things, but at the end of the day, it seems impossible, humanly impossible. But that's what God does. He's very good at this. He gets involved and he makes it possible. And then the angel Gabriel is sent to a young girl, and most people would say she was a teenager. She's engaged. It's been arranged for her to marry a guy called Joseph. Now, Joseph is a significant person in that his family history, his family tree line leads all the way back to a guy called David. Not just any David, he's King David. So he's part of the royal bloodline. What we have in front of us is not much about Mary. What we've been told is that her name is Mary. She's related to Elizabeth. Elizabeth's her cousin. And according to Luke's account, all we're told is that her name is Mary and she's a virgin and she's engaged to be married. That's what we've been told. But it's interesting how Gabriel addresses her in verses 28 to 29. He says to her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And Mary responds, But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So on one hand, you have the angel greeting Mary, and then she's troubled. And you might kind of, you need to ask the question, well, why is she troubled? Well, Shabu, there's an angel in front of her, okay? Makes sense. That might be one of the reasons why she's troubled. But friends, I think in that little statement, the author Luke is being very deliberate in what he's saying. It's actually a simple but yet powerful reminder of who we are as human beings. Uh, This past week we had, this place was packed out. It was standing room only. It was so hot. I felt for them. There was a grade six graduation here from a local school. And I kind of stuck around and I sat up there in the corner just to get to know the people and, and have a chat to them. And all the grade sixes got these awesome awards, you know, different kinds of awards for different achievements that they did in their schooling year. And there was also, my favorite bit was that when they uh, awarded them their grade six graduation award. So what they did was, as they called their name up, they would come up, and there was a photo up here on the screen that showed them when they were in prep, and then when they were in grade six. There's two reactions. The grade sixes now care about what they look like. So a lot of them are like, oh, it's so embarrassing. They'd come up and a lot of the girls are like, why are you showing us? It's terrible. The other reaction was the parents and relatives in the front, particularly the mums. <laughs> My little baby. And it was interesting, all there were also these speeches that were happening at this event. And they were great speeches. They were actually quite encouraging. But there was a constant message that was being drummed in. And here were some of the things that were said. Be the best person that you can be. 
Dream high and achieve your dreams. You can do it. Believe in yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. I, you know, it's a grade six graduation. It would be quite depressing if the principal said, you're not going to achieve anything in life. Look at everyone around you. Like, it just wouldn't work. So in one hand, they're trying to be encouraging and spurring them on. So I get that, right? The other thing was, um, it was interesting to hear that there was this constant message, you can achieve the impossible. And, I, and I, I'm sitting there looking at the grade six and going, yeah, maybe. Like, maybe there are people within that group who will achieve the impossible in that, humanly speaking. Maybe in that group, there are young people who will be the next Prime Minister of Australia. Maybe in that group, there is someone who is going to be the next Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg and will take the internet to the next level. And maybe there's someone in there who will be an amazing leader and find uh, a solution to a particular medical, medical problem. But see, the thing is, most of us, including myself sitting there, we have a horizontal perspective of life. Just a horizontal perspective. Because there's another perspective that we do need to take into account if we are going to think and consider God. And that is a God or vertical perspective. What do I mean by that? See, in this moment, the angel appears to this young girl, Mary, and she's been told, Mary, guess what? The creator of the universe is being gracious to you. Now, put yourself in Mary's shoes. As far as we know, all we've been told, she's a teenager. She's betrothed to some guy called Joseph. Not just some guy, Joseph. She's from Nazareth. Biblical times, Nazareth wasn't well known or it wasn't even favored in many ways. They, they would talk and joke about Nazareth. It's like saying you, you, you live in Kilsite. No one knows where that is. For 400 years, there's been no noise. Then all of a sudden, the angel appears... God sends the angel to Mary. And you can just see her response. Me? Me? Fav- like, me? Who am I? From a Jewish girl, she would be thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm unclean. I mean, God's favoring me. How can God be gracious to me? That's his language. Whoa, this is a weird greeting. What kind of weird greeting is this? And I think in verse 30, you find some of the most beautiful words ever penned in the Bible. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Gabriel is saying two things. One, he's saying, Don't be afraid. Look, I know I'm an angel. Don't run away. Just relax. But also, a better way to put it, literally saying is, You have found grace. In God's eyes. Friends, that's the story of God and human beings. That's a reminder to you and I, for those of us who know Jesus, that our identity and what's been shaped in us, it's simply because of God's gracious favor to you. It's not based on our ability or inability. It is God's favor, His grace. I mean, it's His grace that chooses to pick a young girl 
to have a child. And now, this is not any child. Did you see the way Gabriel described this Jesus? The Son of God. He is the Messiah. He's the King whose kingdom shall have no end. It's His grace that allows this to happen. And it's the same truth even for you and I today. See, God's grace... It's a wonderful picture. I mean, the Christmas story is that reminder. It is God's grace physically showing up into this world. And if you are exploring the Christian faith, or you might be a bit skeptical about it, you might look at some of us Christians and you might think there must be something about them in that they they must be really good people and they must be doing wonderful things. And maybe... Maybe they've got that I can conquer the world, eye of the tiger kind of attitude in life. Maybe maybe you look at us and you think, they seem to have it all sorted. They're a pretty good looking bunch. Probably not. You probably won't think that. See, it's it's a lie. I'll tell you why. Because every single story of someone who's encountered Jesus has begun a relationship with them, it's simply because of God's grace shown to them. It's nothing that they've done. And that includes for you. This same offer is there for you through Jesus Christ. The Christmas story is a reminder of God's gracious favor. I want you to know, if you don't know Jesus, it will not be based on your own effort or merit, or lack of effort, or lack of merit. See, in many ways, I think I love the way Mary responds. It's kind of like us. We should be responding, who, me? I mean, who am I? I mean, Jesus, do you know me? Do you know about my past? Do you know the things that I've done that people don't even know about? How could you? But that is the gracious favor of God. And that is the story of the whole Bible, I mean, we sang a song about nation from one man. That's God's grace moving through one man to create this amazing nation. But if you look at it from a very kind of lateral historical perspective, Israel's a nation at that time. There weren't any grand, wonderful group of people. If I was going to be choosing like the Egyptians or the Babylonians or these kind of great nations. But God chooses the small tribe of people to become who they are and then eventually provide the Messiah through them. He even chose a man by the name of Moses who would save all these Israelites from um, captivity and his response, I can't even speak. I'm not good at speaking and public speaking. Please, choose somebody else. He chooses the guy that Joseph talks about from the line of David. David was not the eldest of the sons. He was the youngest of the brood. I mean, he chooses an old man, an old woman, to send the forerunner, John the Baptist, through. And he chooses a young girl. And all we know about her is she's Mary. She's not a queen or a princess. She's just someone who's betrothed and is a virgin, but she declares herself to be a servant of God. This is the gracious favor of God. This is the gracious one who showed favor to this young girl and continues to do that today. He shows favor to those that are lowly and humble, 
And that's what he did with this young girl. And that is the true story of Christmas. That is the wonderful story, the impossible story. Because I don't know if you realize, it's actually impossible to please a holy God without his grace on you. It is impossible to please a holy God without his grace on you. You can try. I can try. But being the most morally upright person in the world, but it won't cut it at the heart level for the holy God. It is impossible. But see, this is so what God is so good at. He is dramatically and gloriously great at achieving the impossible. He's been doing it forever. I mean, here's the story. Like I said, right? An old man, an old woman, is, they're going to have a baby. And the, the woman, Elizabeth, had the nickname of Baron. That's what she was known as. She's going to bear a child. A young girl, still a virgin. Impossible, but she is able to conceive a child through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. It's God's work. Two impossibilities, humanly speaking, horizontally speaking, but from a vertical perspective, Gabriel says these wonderful words in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. For those of us who've grown up in the Christian faith, is that still true? Does that still ring true to you and I today? Are there people in your life that you think, oh, it's impossible, I don't know how God's going to save them? Beck and I live in a block of units, there's 10 units in all, all stories and lives. I remember when we moved in, no one was there who knew Jesus. And in the last few years, God's moved a couple of people in there, one who loves Jesus, she's, you know, loves the Lord, and she's come into this sort of mission for us. Another guy recently moved in, an ex-pastor, has moved into the block of units too. I remember, I know there's times when I walk in, I look around the units, God, I don't know how you're going to reach, you know. I'll change his name to Dave over there. He doesn't want to talk to you or doesn't want to talk anything about you. This is a reminder to you and I that God is very good at the impossible. See, because this word and this language comes out again. Later on in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus is interacting and a rich man comes up to Jesus and says, hey, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds, well, do all the laws, do all what's required of you. And he says, well, I've been doing that since I was a young man. And then Jesus discerns and says, well, there's one thing's lacking. You must sell everything and then come follow me. The rich man goes sad. He can't do it. Jesus makes a comment about it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And everyone around are going, oh, this guy just said he's been doing all that's required of the law. How is he going to be, if he can't be saved, how is anyone else going to be saved? And Jesus responds in verse 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. The Christmas story is a reminder to you and I, we have a Savior who left his heavenly home to enter this world. He is God himself. Gabriel made that clear. He is the Holy One, the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, a King. And he is destined to reign forever and ever, and he's reigning now. And his kingdom will 
not know any end. These are all true, yet Jesus puts that aside. I mean, even the thought of his kingdom reigning forever and ever shows the impossibilities of God. He is able to do the possibilities, even though it may seem impossible. He gave up his right. He went to the cross willingly to achieve the impossible. To achieve God's gracious favor to whoever turns in faith to him. Friends, if you know Jesus, you know what that means today? It's a reminder to you and I where we should be putting our confidence in. We should be asking, what's my confidence in? It's my confidence in the abilities that I have for God. Is my confidence in how religious that I am for God. Is my confidence because I go to church on Sunday. I'm going to go to Christmas Eve service and Christmas Day service just to be sure. And tonight I'll go to another Christmas service just to be clear how religious I am. It's because I'm a part of a small group. It's about my achievements that I've done through uh, Bible study or whatever. It's because of my spiritual gifts. No, you see, the gracious reminder, the truth of grace, God's favor, is that it's a reminder that we rest in that. Not in all these things, that they're all gifts from God that we use for His purpose. Secondly, what that means if this is true, what is our response to those of us who actually don't like us because of what we believe? Do we struggle to be gracious with them? Because if we are, then we need to be reminded again of how gracious God is to us. Because we of all people who've experienced the grace of God should be one of the most gracious people to those who are against us. And finally... If you look at this picture that was up here uh, a moment ago, I was sitting um, up there up the back, uh, sitting on a table, uh, looking and going, looking at this room full of people and going, God, you know, what can we do as a church? How can we get involved? And what can, you know, thinking about all this, it's just impossible, Lord, it's just impossible. I'm not really sure how you can do this. You can't see very clearly on there, on that TV, but on that one you can. Um, the, that's the principal speaking at the time. And I had this thought that came to mind and said, should we look at the cross? There's a saviour that knows every single soul in that room. And he died for them. He made it possible. So if you have friends in your life, family members, work colleagues, maybe in individuals or people groups that you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. The cross is a reminder to to you and I, it is possible. This is what Christ has done. For nothing is impossible with God. As the music team comes up, we're going to have a little bit of time of silence and reflection. As you sit here, two things I want you to ask and consider. One, talk to God. Maybe God's grace has become information for those people and you've forgotten about it for yourself. Ask him to remind you again and rest in that. And secondly, if there are people in your life right now 
it seems impossible, remind yourself again of the God of the impossible and cry out to him. Cry out to him for their souls. And then in a moment I'll come back and I'll pray for us and we'll finish and we'll sing the last song and sing to our great Savior. I'll give you a few minutes just to reflect. Lord Jesus, um, we are in awe of your grace. For those of us who know you, uh, we pray that we'll constantly rest in that truth. Help us, Holy Spirit, to do that. Lord, I pray for those of us who are exploring, whether we're skeptical or apathetic or a little bit curious, would you continue to reveal who you are to us? Stare our hearts to ask questions, to explore these truths. And Lord, there are people in our lives right now family members, work colleagues, uh, whether if it's different groups of people around the, uh, in, in, our, in our society and culture. Uh, humanly speaking, it seems impossible that they would even respond to the gospel. But we thank you that your gospel is powerful to save. So give us the boldness through the Spirit to step out. We ask that you would start converting souls and hearts for your kingdom and for your glory. We thank you that your kingdom will continue to expand. We thank you for that truth and we yearn for the day when you return. So Lord, as we sing this last song, we pray that we will just sing with great worship for those of us who know you and just sing praise to you as we reflect on this wonderful carol. In Jesus' name.